Hallelujah. Turn with me in the Bible, if you would be so kind. I want to continue uh, what, we're, what we've been starting and talking about for a while. Hallelujah. Um, I want to say before we start, we're talking about the, the being led by the Spirit. I believe this is part eight. And, uh, and being led by the Spirit. Now, uh, <clears throat> we're doing the series because I'm, I'm in a teaching kind of flow. And that's what the Lord said would happen for a few weeks. And I, I embrace that teaching flow. In fact, I like that teaching flow in some ways the most. I just personally enjoy it. But uh, it's not the main flow that I flow in. I'm, I'm more of a preacher than a teacher. But when the Lord lets me do that, I really enjoy it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to say this. I said it on my video log for September 1st for those of you that watched it, but I want to repeat it. Uh, first of all, because I know maybe not everybody watches. Hopefully you do. But if whether you did or not, I want to repeat. October the 4th is a very, very important day. And I want you to make every effort, if you're not physically in person in the church building, to watch the live stream both the Sunday morning and the Sunday afternoon for those, for those two services. Um, there's, there's something that's uh, been, been growing and progressing in my heart over the last number of weeks and months uh, about this Hebron year. We're, we're in a very, very critical time uh, for this ministry. I can't speak about other ministries, but my job is not to be concerned about other ministries. My job is to keep, like Dad Dufresne would say, my own backyard clean. I have to tend my own garden and not look at my neighbor's garden and say, oh, Pastor Nancy, what are you doing over there? My job is to look at my garden and keep the weeds out. By the way, if anybody would like to come to my house to help me pull weeds, I would receive volunteers graciously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I will lay hands. The Lord, I promise you, if you're sick and you come pull weeds, you'll be healed. But I'm, you're done. I give you, I, the, Lord, the Lord will help us. Praise God. Uh, anyway, I'm not looking at other people's yards. I'm looking at mine. That's all I'm concerned about is, my, is what God's doing here. And that's a good way to be. A lot of pastors are always looking at what God's doing everywhere else. You know, the Lord said something to me this afternoon in prayer. Just out of the blue, he said, you know all those church growth seminars that people go to, son? I said, yes, because they're big. They're hot. Those church growth seminars bring a lot of people. He said, that's anti-scriptural. And I started to think about it, and then he gave me that verse. He said, I said, I would build my church. I didn't ask you to build it. I said, I'd build my church. And in fact, if you try to build it, you labor in vain. It ain't going to work anyway if you try to do it. Now you can do it in the flesh and get a whole honking load of people but they're all rats. They're flesh buckets. Dad Hagen would call them dingbats. That's just, don't get mad at me, Jenny. That's what Dad Hagen called them, dingbats and ding-dongs. He, he would vacillate between the two. And uh, you, can, you can do something in the flesh and get lots of money, lots of success, lots of people, but that doesn't mean that God authored it. And you're going to get rewards in heaven based on what God authored, not what you did. There's some people that shouldn't even be pastors and they think they're going to get rewards. They're going to get rewards on what God's perfect will was for their life and what he authored, not what they chose to do. And he said, that, that's totally unscriptural, son. I said, I'd build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. In other words, when I'm in it, I don't care what comes against you. I don't care what assault, what demonic power, what politician, what law, what persecution. It doesn't matter what, even the very powers of hell itself will not be able to stop what I author. And he said, now you've been concerned about the, your, your, your church and its growth rate. And he said, you need to stop thinking about that because what you do is keep your eyes on me. Amen. Because I said, I'd build my church. 
Remember, it says the Lord build the house. Except the Lord, what is it, Psalm 130-something? Except the Lord build the house, they labor, they try all that hard work in vain. Well, you can still see a big work, but it's in vain because according to God's, God's authoring and God's reward basis, it's in vain because he never authored it. Hallelujah. Amen. So part of what he's had me do is, uh, which, which I'm growing. See, I'm learning. It t- everybody has to learn and grow. I have to learn and grow too. Amen. Amen. But I noticed something that every, every month the staff meet with me. We meet more than once a month, but once a month the staff talk to me. And they go through all, they, they privately go through every part congregation member's name. Like in a meeting, they go through all the names in the master list and they'll look at the name and then they'll see James and they'll see James's name and then they'll pause for a second and say, have we seen James? And then they'll say yes and they'll put a tick mark. Have we seen him in the last little while? And then they'll go down and say, Pat Walton, have we seen Pat? And they'll say no, I mean yes. And they'll put a tick mark beside Pat's name. And they go through all 400 and something people to see if they, any of them remember having seen those people. That's the only way we can do attendance. And then when the people that, that, then they see trending absences, I've grown to despise that terminology. Trending absences means they haven't been coming for two or three or maybe even four weeks and we don't know where they are. They haven't told us what's going on. And so those are trending absences. Then they'll, then they'll meet with me and Taylor will say, Pastor, that we've gone through everybody. Everybody's more or less being faithful. Maybe one Sunday or Wednesday here or there, but generally everyone's faithful. But these are the ones that are trending to be unfaithful. And then they'll tell me their names so that I can pray for them. And so I can say, well, I wonder what's going on. Maybe they're offended. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're this. Maybe they're that. I don't know why they're not here. Dr. Coulter would always say people vote with their feet. So you vote with your feet. (laughs) You don't vote with your index finger by pushing the button for live stream. You vote with your feet. Because I don't count that. I count it when you come in person and make the sacrifice. And so does God, by the way. But anyway, so then they tell me these trending absences, and, uh, and I go away, and, and the purpose of it is for me, Jenny, to pray for those individuals and to maybe see, if should I reach out? Should I check on them? Should I leave them alone? H- how does the Lord lead us on each individual case? But then the Lord started to get over to me a little while ago, and I was talking a little bit to the staff yesterday about it. He says, now what's the point? Now, does that bear any fruit? And I thought, well, the only fruit that that bears is to make me angry, is to make me nervous, is to make me feel hurt. Well, why aren't they coming? Is that a rejection of you, Lord? Is it a rejection of me? Is it a rejection of your word? What is it? What, what, are they that busy at the cottage that they can't come to the house of God? Or did they get another job and they've now got six jobs instead of five and they can't come to the house of God? Well, what is the reason? But I, I started, the Lord started getting over to me. Tell me one good thing that comes out of that. And I says, well, Lord, the good thing that comes out of it is that I know they're not there so that I can maybe check on them. And, and, he, and he spoke back to me and he said, in all the years you've been doing this and all the people that you've checked on, tell me one time that the checking has helped. And I said, Lord, I can't think of one time. I can't think of one single time we're calling somebody after a month to say, how you doing? Just checking on you. Just want to see where you are. That, I can't find one time where that has actually made a difference as to tilting the scales of whether they're faithful now or not faithful. Meaning people are going to do what they want to do no matter what you tell them and no matter, what you, no matter how much you try to engage them. It's just human nature. 
That's why pastors, some pastors, will get up at four in the morning and play nine hours of golf, but they won't pray nine minutes. It's not because they don't love Jesus, but what they want, what they really want is the golf. You will do what, you're, what you want to do. That's just human nature. If you really want to do it, you'll find a way to do it. If you really want to pray, you'll find a way. Don't tell me you're too busy. It just means you don't want to do it. If you really want to know God, you'll get to know him. doesn't matter how busy you are or how much persecution there is. You'll get to know. If you really want to come to church, you'll come to church. So I said, well, Lord, if it doesn't benefit much, and if it only causes me to start to feel anxious, which I'm not supposed to be anxious about anything, he said, well, what is the real purpose? He, he really broke it down for me, Jenny. He said, what is the real purpose of why you're even finding out the training absences? The reason you're finding out who's not there is so that you can call them or follow up with them to ask them why they're not there to try to encourage them to keep coming. To what end? To grow and maintain the church. So by doing this, what you're really doing, the motive of your heart is you're, try, you're trying to control the maintenance of your church. And you're trying to make sure the church doesn't reduce. Calling members doesn't make it grow. It just makes it stay the same. Do you understand? And so, Lord, but Lord, he said, but I, I said, I'd build the church. That's okay for you to know if somebody's hurting or somebody is offended. And if you, and, and I said, but Lord, what about the people that might get offended? I'm, there's times I have to intervene. And by intervening, we could save them. We could help them. And the Lord said, but that's called pastoring by the Spirit, son. He said, that's why you pray in the Holy Ghost. And if there is somebody that needs my assistance through your voice that I'm dealing with them privately, but they're not listening to me. And they need their pastor to call or meet with them or speak to them because they're getting off on the wrong path. He said, don't you think I can speak their name to you? He said, don't you know that I already speak many people's name to you like that? I said, yes. He said, so what is the benefit? What is the purpose of having all these meanings and finding out all the trending absences? All it produces is anxiety in your heart. And at the end of it, it's because you're trying to control this thing called the church. You're trying to protect it from falling under. And then other, in other areas, you try to do things to try to grow it. Now, there's nothing wrong with evangelism. We should tell people to, we should invite visitors. I, there's natural things we should do. But at the end of the day, God said that he'll grow the church. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, except God build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So I don't know, I just felt like I needed to just talk about that for a minute and just make that public that, uh, that we're, 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 we're ceasing to do all this nonsense of attendance. I've tried, I've hung on by a thread for years because of that feeling of I gotta be in control. I gotta be in control. I gotta know what's going on. Oh God, what if they leave? Oh God, what if they leave? And you know what the Lord says? Oh God, what if they leave? Let them leave. Not that I want them to leave and not that I'm cavalier about them leaving because I know that they need to stay planted if they're going to grow. But worrying about it, harassing them about it, calling them and bugging them about it. Oh, you need to come. Oh, you need to come. Oh, you need to come. And not one time has it actually made anybody come. So I said to the staff yesterday, I said, we're not doing any of this attendance anymore. It's the last time. I said, if you guys want to do it and keep an eye on people, you can do it, but don't tell me about it because it doesn't serve me at all. It doesn't help me at all. It just makes me concerned when I see trending unfaithfulness. So what, what do I have to do? I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. I have to cast my care over onto him. And I have to say, Lord, you build the church and you maintain the church. You speak to the people and cause them to vote with their feet. You come upon them. You convict them. 
if they're not doing right, if they're not tithing, if they're not serving, if they're not showing up, if they're not praying, if they're not evangelizing, I'm not going to try to henpick anybody anymore. And if you ever do get a phone call from one of my staff members or me, it is 100% of the time authored by me. They don't just call. They're not allowed to just call. They have to run every phone call through me because I don't want people, I don't want some staff members out of a pure motive but out of fear or out of manipulation or out of whatever, annoying, harassing, to be bothering congregation members. So if you ever get a call, it's because I've asked them to call you, and I'm telling you the only time that'll ever happen is if in prayer, God himself reveals your name to me. And he's saying to me, you reach out to that person. So if you do get a call from my staff, you know that God himself has spoken to me about you. And if I you, I'd get your affairs in order. Because for God to interrupt my life and interrupt our schedule and have our staff call your number means he's displeased. And you should have enough holy fear of him that you don't want to displease him. I don't know why on earth I'm talking about that, but I just felt in my heart I needed to say it. I don't know why. Our eyes are on the Lord. He will build the church. And all the power of hell itself will be unable to affect us. Hallelujah. He's building the house, Taylor. And it will all surely come to pass. Hallelujah. Oh, what a joyful freedom it is to unload the heavy burden. I understand why pastors sometimes, Rob, they go into, <laughs> they break down, man. That's why they have these things because they've got such pressure on them about keeping the church. And then they've got a board that tries to control them or a deacon-possessed board, what we call the deacon-possessed boards, where the deacons are trying to control them or the executives are trying to control them or the rich people in the church are trying to control them. And they're juggling all these balls and all these boards and all these advisors. And they're trying to make everybody happy and they're causing the vision to suffer. And then they're trying to placate every offended person because dear God, don't leave. If you leave, your tithe leaves. If your tithe leaves, I can't pay the staff. And they don't understand faith and they don't understand how to call those things that be not as though they are. And so th there's this pressure, constant pressure, and then anxiety, and then hurt feelings because then they take the rejection on top of all of that. They take the rejection. They feel personally rejected when somebody leaves. And I'm telling you, God's setting me free from all of that. All of that, because our faith brings it. God uses people, but my faith, my faith does the job, not my pressuring the people. My faith does, I put the pressure on the word and I trust the Holy Ghost to deal with the people. Praise God, honey. And our faith has to do this. We started with, I don't know, is Mel, Mel Dyke here? I don't know if she's here. Maybe she was here Sunday. I don't know. Mel Dyke, you're here. Mel Dyke. The Marjorie, I'm thinking Mel, Mel, I'm thinking Mel, Marjorie Ann. Is Marjorie Ann here? No. Marjorie Ann, remember Jenny, Marjorie Ann. Oh God. Marjorie Ann, who else was it? Susan, right there. Charter member, Verley. Looks like she's backsliding tonight. Charter member, she's in the bathroom or something. Charter member, three other people that all got offended and left. <laughs> In our living room. October the 7th, 2008, six brave souls <laughs> showed up and I came down in that little living room and I got my guitar. Oh, glory to God. And we sang a song. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll. And then I went from that one into the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. I mean, we worshiped the Lord. We did Johnny Cash. We did the whole song, said, didn't we? <laughs> 
And we preached, and then the next week more, and the next week more, and then this little lady over here comes, and then people saying, Pastor, we need a bigger place because I can't see everybody around the corner of the kitchen. And then Lorraine says, now you just open up, you just come on down to my home. I thought she meant in her living room. So I went into that home and I remember seeing your living room for the first time and says, yeah, I think this could maybe seat 35 people. And then Wayne goes, oh, it ain't up here, son, brother. It ain't up here. It's down on yonder. I said, where? In the basement? And we went down to the basement. It was much bigger than the living room. And uh, we just had the time of our life. Yes. I'm telling you, there was such a joy for 15 months in that basement. Taylor had curly hair. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> My green room was her bathroom. I would put the seat down and sit down or on the edge of her tub and I'd sit and pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And put my little microphone on to record. Not we needed amplification to record the message. And, and, the, and, the, and your bedroom and your bedroom was the children's classroom. And we only had two children, Quinn and Cole. <laughs> and Miss Marjorie Ann pulled Quinn and Cole into one of your bedrooms, whichever was assigned that week. Was it yours? And laid hands on my son and they started to speak in the Holy Ghost. How old were they, honey? Three and two years old praying in tongues right there by the glory of God in their bedroom. And we had one bathroom to eventually share between 88 people. Dear God. And if you had had weird food the night before, we needed sprays. I'm all, I mean, all kinds of sprays. We had candles. We had sprays. We had ventilation systems. We had angels doing this in the bathroom. Jennifer, I'm telling you something about it. That's exactly what we had. And the presence of God was there. You know what God was doing, Jenny? He was building the house. He was birthing and building. He said, I'll build my house and the gates. So I build my church and the gates of hell. And he built it. And then he found us this building supernaturally by the help of the Holy Ghost. He found us this building. We needed this building. Amen. Do you remember that? I was crying on my birthday. We started the church October 7th, Lorraine. 364 days later, October the 6th, my birthday. I'm crying because I'm afraid of Lorraine. I'm afraid of Wayne. I have overstayed my welcome. Dear God, I know they're so sweet. They don't say a word. They never said a word the entire time. But I have, I'm a gentleman. I know we've overstayed our welcome. And I know that they're looking for an exit strategy. And I'm looking for an exit strategy. And that we don't have any place to go. And the building, we're out of the will of God in Oakville. And that fell through. And we're looking. And we're looking. And there's nothing. And it's my birthday. And I'm crying. And all the angels cried with me because it was raining. When it's raining, all the angels are crying. And the tears were falling from heaven. And I I was in that van and I pulled into that little side street there. I know exactly where it was. It was actually just across from your neighborhood area on, 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 uh, on Dairy Road. And, and I pulled and I'm crying. I'm in this, I was saying, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, God, I don't know what we were going to do. And then I heard him say, look up, son. And I looked up and I said, and he said, what's those birds doing over there? And there were two little brown sparrows, just, a, just cheap sparrows, you know. They're not fancy, not blue jays, not cardinals. Just the cheapest sparrows you can find. You know what I'm saying when I say a dime a dozen a sparrow? It's those little birds that don't look like nothing. You don't even notice them unless they hit your car. And they're, and they're out there and they're in the puddle. And I'm telling you, Jenny, they were jumping and hopping. And they would put their head in the water. And then they'd shake their head and their little, you know, and all the little water would go. And they were dancing and jumping and sh in the water. They were having just a time of their life. 
and I heard a voice in that car say, last night, they, that was not provided for them. But in the morning when the rains came, they had what they need and look at the joy that they're experiencing. And he said, it has been the nighttime that you have not found your building, but the morning has come. And it was the next day October the 7th, you couldn't plan that if you tried to. Exactly our one-year anniversary, Lorraine said, Pastor, I think you need to come listen. Look at a place with me over on Capitol Court. It's a shared, I said, no, no, no shared building. No shared building. You don't have two heads. That's a monster. No, I'm not listening. She said, Pastor, I just want you to come. No, I'm not looking at any place where I have to share with a heathen. I'm not. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, be quiet. <laughs> what are you arguing so much about? Go look at it. And we went, Lorraine, and that poor lady, Annabelle, was so desperate she hadn't made her rent in, I don't know how long, a couple months at least. And the landlord's on her because all the recession happened in 2008, the year before. Nobody wants a party center for their kids anymore to pay $3,000 for a birthday. And she can't make her rent. And, and, and we walked through. And remember, Lorraine, remember that first day and we saw that big yellow duck hanging from the ceiling and the purple and the green and all these primary colors and the snakes. And we hear these weird noise. I said, my God, what's that noise? That's a cockatoo. That's a snake. That's a rabbit. That's a, a gerbil. That's a this. Dear God, it's a zoo. It still is a zoo. Just look around and you'll see what I'm talking about. And we walked through, Lorraine, right? And, and the Spirit of God bore witness. We're talking about being led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God bore witness. No matter what it smelled like, no matter what it looked like. You needed sunglasses when you first came in the building. It was that bright with the paint job. And a huge duck hanging, a seven-foot duck hanging from the ceiling. My God. And, uh, and the, the Spirit bore witness and said, this is home. I said, yes, sir, Lord, and, and praise God. In the morning, the very next day, he showed us the building, and it took us. We had been saving, 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 saving every offering. I wasn't working and taking money from the ministry, just a very small part-time, and all, almost all the money we were saving toward the renovation project, and we started, remember, Lorraine, we came, we knocked that duck down, we knocked its head right off, and we painted those hideous colors over, and we started working just on this half of the sanctuary, and we moved in, and what was it, March something? 15th of March, first or second, first Sunday in March, March the 8th, 2010, March 10, 2010. Do I hear 11? Do I hear a 12? <laughs> and God added, honey, and he gave us this building. And he took us from, from meager, small beginnings. And look at how kind he's been to us over these last almost 12 years. And many have come and many have gone, but many have stayed. I'm not looking at the ones that have left. I'm looking at the ones that have stayed. And he's building the church. Hallelujah. I want you to know that a season is coming to an end. This first 12 years of Promise of Life congregation, which ends this October in a month, less than a month. This is a 12-year anniversary. This is a season. Uh, 12 is, is an interesting number in the Bible, but this, this, is a, this, is, this is not an anniversary to do lightly on because the season has come to an end. And uh, just like because everything starts and, be, and ends in October for us, because that's when we started. That's when my birthday is. That's when I was called to the ministry. But there's always an overlap period. In the 25-year anniversary in, in uh, 2000, what was it, Jenny? 2016? Yes, 2016 was 25 years. I knew that was the end, and a new beginning started in October. But it, it was an overlap. It didn't really start, start until January. 
Those last few months of the year are kind of like a, an overlap time because in October usually things begin uh, for our congregation, for our time frame. Do you understand? But, but God still has assigned certain things to certain calendar years. So that season started in the spirit in October, but it didn't actually start to manifest till January. Then on January 17th, the Lord visited my wife and I in a dramatic way for a number of hours in our home and talked to us about David and about Hebron and about Ziglag and about Jerusalem. And all of that started in January 2017. And we've been preaching it since then. But just like 2016 was the end of an era in certain ways, and that three-year period, 17, 18, and 19, started. In another, in a different way, this, this October and next month is the end of another era in a certain way because this, this season of time since 17, 18, 19, and 20, a four-year season, has been a time for us to talk about. He, he spoke about some things. He started some things. He established some things, settled some things. And now we're picking up certain mantles. We're picking up certain anointings in this Hebron year. And in October, uh, it, there's a change. Now, we're going to see some stuff happen in the, between October and the rest end of the year. And I'm going to talk to you about what's going to happen between October and December 31st on October the 4th. I'm going to tell you what God has instructed me to do. And it's, and it's interesting. And it's something that I've never done before. And it's going to be a challenge. But it's going to be glorious. And it's required and necessary for the mantle. Yeah. But in October, really, things start to change a little bit. But in that three months, like it's always been, that's the pattern God's done with us. There's, in the spirit, it's changed. But we're, we're going to start to see some things. But, in, but next year, January next year, that just like January 17, January 2021, that we're going to start to see some, some changes. There's gonna, I'm telling you, there's going to start to be some changes. Part of it is we're going to see greater. He told me, so you're going to start to see a, a dramatic increase, a distinct increase of instant healings. He also said you're going to start to see the working of miracles start to happen in your church. Now, I'm not just saying that. It would be easy if I'm doubting myself. Don't say it out loud. Then nobody can hold you to it. But he said to me, you're going to start seeing the working of miracles in your church. Now, that's reserved for 2021. But in the spirit, it starts at that anniversary service in October. This is a very important year, my brother and sister. This is a very, very important year. And just because I don't talk about it every single service and we don't discuss it every single service, uh, I'm encouraging you as your pastor to spend extra time with God in prayer this year. And you'll hear a lot more on October the 4th. October the 4th at the 10 a.m. and October the 4th at the 1 p.m. I'm not repeating the message, but I'm going to share with you some things that I haven't shared yet. I'm going to share that thing about Jacob that God revealed to me back during COVID. I'm going to preach about that Jacob. I, I have alluded to it, but I've never had a release to share it. I'm going to share about that. God also showed me something very wonderful about Elisha and the mantle, because we are picking up a mantle this year. And I'm going to preach about Elisha and the parallels between Elisha and 2020 and our year. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's beautiful. It's precious. And I'm going to share with you what God's asked me to do between October and December because there's certain things required in order for us to, to, to satisfy his requirements in order to pick up this anointing. And when that happened with Dr. Dufresne, we talk about that, Lorraine, that was March 10th. And then June 28th, just three months later, is when Dr. Dufresne was here, first time in this building. And the roof disappeared, and he saw that mantle, that anointing come down on this church. And that, that, that time was a separation time. David had that anointing come on him with Jesse in Jesse's house from the, from the prophet, uh, member Samuel. But that, did you notice David didn't uh, start to manifest kingship? He did look like nothing happened, didn't it? Yeah. Joey looked like nothing changed. Yeah. He went right back to the sheep. Right. 
And then he went and he had to serve an, an ungodly man at that. And then the guy tried to kill him. And then he had to run and hide in caves. And then while he chased him day after day, didn't look like that anointing was working, did it? But all of a sudden when he entered Hebron, when he entered Hebron, he sat down. The elders anointed him a second time, and that's when the anointing that was, he was destined for started to work. And Elisha, he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and the man Elijah comes and puts a coat on him. And that, that was the anointing. That was the mantle. Did you notice that nothing happened with Elisha different? In fact, Elisha went from serving his parents to serving a prophet. And the Bible said he poured water on his hands, and he cleaned his clothes, and he cooked his food, and he made his fire. Didn't look like that anointing was working for eight years, theologians tell us. It's not listed in the Bible, but theologians say eight years he served the man of God. Didn't look like that anointing of a prophet was working, did it? But he was in a season of preparation. And then when Elijah went in the whirlwind, then that mantle came down and he took that mantle and immediately that mantle started to manifest his destiny, his anointing and his call in the earth. So there's always mantles that separate. You are separated to this call but not, not to manifest that call. Yeah. And then there's mantles that come, anointings that come to execute the call. Yeah. And the Lord started to show me that June 28th, 2010, when Dr. Dufresne saw that mantle, that was a separation mantle. That, that, he made it public at that time, I've got my hand on you. Remember he sang those six yes. statements? Yes. Remember, I don't know, how did the words go again? This is the place I put my hand upon. This is a place, you know, many will go out and preach my word and many healings. This is a place he, he started and ended those six statements with. This is a place I put my hand upon and my approval upon. See, what was he saying? He's saying, this anointing has come to separate you for the work that I've called you to. This is a place that my hand is on. That don't mean that anointing is going to work for you right now. It just means I'm letting everybody know my hand's on you. David, the anointing's on you, but you've got 15 long years of servanthood before you step into that anointing. Elisha, the anointing's on you, but you've got eight years of servanthood till you step into that anointing. Well, with us, it was 2010. And he said, that anointing is on us. And I'm telling you, in 2020, 10 years later, with Elisha, it was eight. With David, it was 15. With us, it's 10 from that season. It's 15 years from the time that that first was made known, Dr. Dufresne, 2004 to 2019, was that first 15-year timeline God talked to me about. But when that, when that true separating anointing came in 2010, it's now been 10 years and six months because God told me, you're going to pick it up in December. I don't know the exact day, but he said to me, you're picking up that mantle, son, in December. That is why what happens between now to December is absolutely, critically, critically important to God. Amen. And I'm doing it whether the congregation does it or not. Amen. I'm moving in. Whether the people follow me or not, I'm moving in. But I'm going to share with you in October some of the things I'm going to be doing in order to please, what, to please the Lord. And if you want to join me, you can join me. And if you don't, that's fine. I'll leave it between you and God. But I'm telling you, I'm moving in. I'm going to pick that anointing up. I'm going to pick that mantle up. It's been 10 years that he said, my hand's on you, but it's not working for you yet. But when you pick it up, you watch what happens. It's going to start working for you. And he said, it's going to start in 2021. That, that anointing that, was, that is for our ministry. Now I know you look at me and say, but you have had a ministry. You've had 29 years of preaching. You've had a ministry. You, you have a church. This is a ministry, but it's not what I'm destined to do. This church is only in its infancy phase. This, this anointing, this influence, this power, these miracles are at a very, very low ebb right now. But when we pick up that anointing to execute, not just the anointing to separate. 
it's going to make a difference. Oh my God, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. God, now I understand now, Holy Ghost, why you did that. I wasn't, couldn't figure it out before, Jenny. But all on the way down here, I, I, I just, I kept feeling something. I got my notes. I got a great message. It's all ready to go in the green room, sending in the worship here. It just kept bubbling up. I, I'm endeavoring to do something in this era, in this area. I'm endeavoring to do something in this area. Uh, he's quoting Dr. Dufresne during the time that he spoke. That he just kept quoting that to me. And I kept saying, Lord, is that what you want me to talk about that? Or you want me to do my message? I don't know. And then I decided, well, you're not speaking to me, so I'm just going to get up and do my message. So I came up here, opened my Bible with my notes to do my message, but I, the word wouldn't, I, my, I couldn't speak. The words wouldn't come out of my mouth to say my message. Now that's one way the Holy Ghost leads. Is, it's not necessarily by the inward witness, but that's one way when I can't get the words out, when I can't speak what I'm planning on speaking, and out of my spirit comes these words about our history, and about the anointing, and about the mantle. That's one way the Holy Ghost gets over it. He didn't speak to me. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't show me by the inward witness, but he showed me in a different kind of a way. I don't want you to talk about that tonight. I want you to talk about the history of the church. I want you to remind the congregation the importance of the mantle. This is a very important year. And I, I want to get to my notes, but I know when, when, I can't, when it won't come out, I can force it. I'm teaching you little things about the Holy Ghost. You can force it, but there'll be no anointing on it. When there's no anointing on it, then it was if it, that was, you're out of God's will. But when you just let the Holy Ghost come with whatever anointing he wants for that moment. So that's, this is a little pause tonight in our series. And I hope you will watch on Sunday if you're not coming on Sunday. Because there's a lot of good nuggets that, that I want to teach you. And the Holy Ghost wants to teach you about being led by the Spirit. There's a lot of good nuggets that really help you. But for whatever reason. It's good, sir. And you know why? Can I tell you, Taylor? It's not because these folks that I'm looking at right now really need to hear this. Although I think it is some of them need to hear it. But that's not even the main reason. The reason is it has to be spoken. In the realm of the spirit, it has to be spoken by my office. It's not enough to be spoken by somebody else. It has to be spoken by the head of the ministry. And, that, and so I need you to find that, Peter, for me, please. I need you to find the recording. You have it because we played it a little while ago. Find quickly. He's a, he's a speedy Gonzalez over there. Um, now you're going to do the singing part and then the talking part. Okay, go for it. I have put my people on This is the place Where healing will flow This is the place Where my spirit can flow This is the place That many will go out is the place I have put my hand
many years I was at a, another church here in town preaching and ministering. Friend of mine, still consider a friend of mine. And I got caught up in the spirit. Now I, I, I've gotten in this city, I've been, I, I've been speaking in this city for many years. And I've been, uh, had visions. And uh, some, I think some of you are here when I've been in uh, those churches and seen things. Like for one, I saw, I saw a, a spirit that had kangaroo legs. Some of you remember that. And I took authority over that. And at that time, it just didn't seem like that church would grow. But I took authority over that thing. Actually, there was two spirits. There was one left over from the previous administration. And then there was another one that just kept it from growing. And that kangaroo thing was just jumping here and there and jumping there. And it was just people just jumping from church to church. Church tramps spirit. I like to call it. But when my wife was mentor, see, these things pertain to the spirit. I know that's probably the direction I'll go tonight, that, that scripture. But then I was sitting in the chair one, 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 one morning. My wife was teaching prayer. And I, there's some of you here that were in those meetings. My wife was teaching on the subject of prayer. And I got caught up in the spirit just like I did right then. And See, I can't sing. Unless the anointing comes on you, on me. I sang that out of my spirit because God gave me a vision when I was sitting there. Well, I had that vision in that church. I, I, saw, I, saw, uh, I saw a church downtown to Toronto, way downtown. And it was around the turn of the century. They had a revival. See, God has been endeavoring to, to move in this area of Canada. Mm -hmm. I was just over in Edmonton. I was just preaching over there. And but I, I, every time I think of Toronto, I, I just my spirit, I cry out for this city because God's one endeavor. Well, that old church around the turn of the century is downtown. I forget the name, but maybe it's not necessary to mention the name. And God moved in that in that church. See, He moved in that church, but then it. And, and, and then it weaned. And then it went over to another church. That some of you that are in here, you came out of that church. And then it went on to my friend's church. I saw that. And he said, now, 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 now it's on them. But now they have chosen to go a different direction. And now God said, it's on this place. Very reluctant to say that. God kept dealing with it. I'll do it in private. He said, no, you got to say it in public. That's not bringing despair on anybody or anything else. you got to understand that. No. Are you listening to me? It's saying what the Spirit says. But it has to do the things that pertain to the Spirit. I know. I, I've lost friends from moving with the Spirit. I've lost friends from going, going with anointing of God. You see, every time God's moving in a different way, you've got to move with it. If you don't, you just become a, 
club. You understand what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Now I'll go out of here and say I talk to spare against anybody whatsoever. I'm talking about the things that pertain to the spirit. Let's don't let's don't get into the flesh and, and mean it something it didn't mean. But God's hands on this place. God raised it up. His hand approval is on it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And how many times that he has come to this city and wanting to move by his spirit and it starts moving, then after a few years or something, they go, they get in the flesh and get this and get this and do that and do that and, and miss it, what God wants to do. Because this is going to be a move of the gifts of the spirit, the things that pertain to the spirit. He's going to move in a strong way in this area. I got excited when I was invited to come in, back in the city. I haven't been here in many, many, many years except for that other meeting that we had with Pastor Greg, Craig. And uh, I got excited again because I love the city. Always felt good about this city and what God wants to do. Are you listening to me? So let's just raise your hand, not that we're big shots or above anybody else, but let's just praise him and thank him for his move. Thank him for this week. Thank him for what he's going to do this week and what he's going to do in the future. We just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Hallelujah. God's been endeavoring to do in this city for many years. And there's been that great revival down at the old Evangel Temple that doctor didn't even know was Angelus Temple North because he didn't know any of those details. I found those out after he died. Remember, Jenny? Just after he died. In 2014, he died in 13, but God revealed all that to us from the man, the pastor, whose dad was the last pastor of the downtown church. And then it was up, uh, I wasn't alive back then. Some of you, most of you weren't alive then either. Right? 19, 19, uh, in the 20s and 30s. I don't think anybody was alive back then, or you'd be almost like 100 now or something. <laughs> but anyway, so we couldn't have been there. But isn't it amazing that, that God led us, my, my mother from South Africa, we didn't know what church to go to, and he supernaturally led us to Evangel Temple. And he had me around that mantle. That mantle was on that church. That's the church that it went up to. That's what Dr. Dufresne was talking about. And, uh, and, 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 and Dr. Dufresne always told me, I knew, I knew that God wanted me to go to Evangel Temple. I had a word to tell them. It was that word about the mantle. But they never invited him. And if the prophet is not invited and honored, the word of the Lord that is on his lips cannot come forth. That's why that church never knew about that mantle and never did anything with it. But it was still on him even though they were ignorant of it. Then they got into the secret sensitive flow, the psychological flow, and that mantle came off them. Because you change your doctrine, God's going to take that mantle off you. He's not playing games with this. He'll still bless the church as far as he can. He'll love the people. He'll bless them. And they'll go on and do something. But they won't do what they were called to do. And then that went on his friend's church, which is where I left Evangel. And, I, and, and remember, Jenny, we left. And, and we, uh, the, right away, I went and worked at another church in Brampton as an associate pastor. Then I started traveling. And then I went right to Dr. Coulter's church. And as soon as I walked in, God said, this is home. 
Why? Because he wanted me around that mantle. Because the mantle came on that church. And for all those years, many years traveling, six, seven years traveling, and then working there for two years, I was around that mantle. God was keeping me close. Amen? But I was in reserve because it wasn't supposed to come on me. It was supposed to stay there. Do you understand? Now, isn't it interesting, Jenny? Dr. Coulter, after coming out of the United Church, went, they, 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 he, he, got a, he was born again, but he had got away from it. And then he had a revival in his own heart. And then he went to the United Church. He was the third highest paid minister in Canada. He was very high up in the United Church. And he started preaching about being born again. And all the demons came out of the woodwork and fired him and said, don't preach that heresy in here. Just shows you where the United Church is at. They're like the Catholics. They're not even saved. Most of them, unless, they're, unless they've got that revelation about being born again. And so they fired him. That was very heartbreaking for him. And then he didn't know where to go. And God supernaturally, and I watched the pattern of God. God led him to submit himself to Pastor Bud Williams. Why? Because he was in reserve. Because the mantle was on Pastor Bud. But when he passed it to his son, they took it the wrong way and the mantle lifted off. And then what did, see the one that God had in reserve went and started his church in Mississauga and the mantle came on them. See, God always prepares. He always knows exactly what he's doing. And then here I am at the first church, well, the second, if you don't count the first one downtown, I'm at the second church in reserve, a double reserve. And then I'm in the next church in reserve. I have no idea about it, neither do any of them. But look back at the, what God's done. Look at how he, look at how he did it. This is, you can't make this stuff up. It's not possible to make up. It's, you see it and you don't know it even as it's happening sometimes, but you look back and you see the hand of God moving, moving pieces around the board, positioning people so that at the right time, the right thing will happen. And he's not against anybody. And I'm not even the one that's supposed to have the mantle. They're supposed to have the mantle. But Dr. Dufresne warned them. Do not give the church over to who you plan on giving the church to. And he did, and he, because he was friends with the prophet, he didn't listen to the prophet. It's very, very dangerous to get familiar with an office. Because when the office has your answer and your rescue, you will disregard it because of your friendship. And they didn't listen. And he gave the church to who he shouldn't have. And immediately there was a massive change in doctrine. And they went the secret sensitive route. They don't want the flow, the move, the Holy Ghost. They looked at me my first day having worked there, my first day being hired. And they said, if you think we're ever going to have the likes of Dr. Dufresne back here, you might as well just quit right now. We will never have him back in the pulpit. We will never have Kenneth Hagin, or no, he was gone by then. But they listed all these ministers that we revere. We'll never have. That's not our flow. That's not our direction. That's not where we're going. And I said, God, you've made a mistake. And he said, no, I haven't. I want you to learn. Don't worry about their doctrine. I want you to learn. Dr. Coulter has much to impart to you about how to be a pastor. He was a master pastor. And administratively, he was a master. Counseling, he was a master. I mean, he knew stuff. He's forgotten more than what I'll ever know about pastoring. He was that skillful. But he taught me. Took me under his wing, even though God knew what was going on. And during that two-year period that we worked there, two years and three months or so, my wife, more than me, my wife would get an intercessory burden that would almost break her to pray that the anointing would not depart from that house. 
And we didn't even know what to call it because we weren't in the service when Dr. Dufresne had the vision in that church and saw the mantle come on that church. But we just knew there's an anointing on this church. Remember, Jenny? And you would intercede and pray with many tears over a long period of time that the anointing would not depart from the house. Look at, now look at the mastery of God. The very ones that are assigned to take that anointing are interceding that it would not leave. <laughs> so that nobody could say that our motive was wrong. But they didn't listen to the prophet. They got off. You see, you change the doctrine and you change the message in order for growth because that's why they did it. They told me, we're changing this because we want to grow into a big church. So you put that ahead of the word. God, God will bless you, loves you. He'll bless you as far as he can. But that precious mantle cannot abide that type of, that it can't abide flesh. It can't abide that game. That's a game, Lorraine. That's carnality. It can't abide that. If it stayed there, it would kill everybody there. Because when I say that, I mean it would destroy. Remember, when the wine is poured, if the wine bottle is not prepared, the wine will be lost and the bottle will be destroyed, Jesus said. The new wine of God's power cannot be in an unprepared vessel. So it was a mercy to them for the mantle to leave. If the mantle had stayed with an unprepared bottle, the mantle would have been lost and the people would have, it would have blown up that ministry, would have destroyed it. It's a mercy. God, out of his mercy, you've got to look at it that way. Out of his mercy, he did that for them. Because you play games with the mantle, you'll die young. It's that serious to God. But he had somebody else in reserve. And then when we started this church, and you heard a little bit of the story tonight, when we started this church, and then March 10th, remember Lorraine? We had our grand opening here, and then two, three months later, Dr. Dufresne comes, Monday morning. They never do Monday morning services, not once ever. They start Monday night. But I was so hungry, I was so hungry. I called him and I said, Dad, you can't start Monday night. I need, every, I need to squeeze every ounce of juice out of you. I want to start Monday morning. We don't start Monday morning, son. I know, but you're going to start it for me. And Pastor Nancy came. Remember, the whole service, she had words of knowledge, about 40 words of knowledge. And she said, Lord, in the hotel, she said, Lord, I don't think there's that many people there going to be there this morning on a Monday morning. And there was quite a few people here. And she just called out people, the whole service, words of knowledge, words of healing the whole time. And then Dr. Dufresne, at the very end of the service, what you just heard happened. Praise God. And that mantle. That mantle, that beautiful anointing, that assignment for us, that assignment for the city, it's an assignment for Toronto. God said through Amy Simple McPherson to Willard Price in 1917, she said, go and take my mantle to the shores of Toronto, for I have not forgotten Southern Ontario, for I was from there, and my heart is with the Canadians. Take my mantle that there would be a move of God's Spirit in Toronto. The mental that we're talking about come from Amy Simple McPherson. I'm telling you, I'm not making it up. And then what are the chances? Oh, you can't make it up. This anointing that's on us, God chose Dr. Dufresne to see it out of all the prophets. And then when he goes, his wife moves into Amy Simple McPherson's castle. And the prophet years ago told Pastor Nancy privately, there will be a measure of the anointing of Amy Simple McPherson on you in the last day, great revival. <laughs> she almost looks like her. Tall, blonde, and beautiful. 
And that anointing is on Pastor Nancy. And that anointing is connected with us because that anoint I'm submitted to her, but the anointing on Amy was called to the shores of Toronto. How do you, how do you explain that? We're talking about a hundred years spread here. And when did God start talking to us about the mantle? 2017, January 17th, 2017, he started revealing to us the season of acquiring the mantle. And when did that mantle first come to the shores of Toronto? 1917. Exactly a hundred years from the time Willard Pierce entered the shores of Toronto and he opened up Angelus Temple North, which he then called Evangel Temple on Bond Street. And he said, this is the, this is the place for the anointing of Amy Simple McPherson to come to Toronto. That is the mantle. It came in 1917. And in 2017, God started to speak about some things. Now, we knew it from 2010, but we had six years of qualifications. And then he started to talk about some things. And then in 18, he started some things. And then in 19, he settled some things. And then in 20, he says, this is your time, son. I told you that you're separated for it, but now I want you to pick it up. And so he showed me, I'll share it with you on the 4th of October, but he showed me four sections of this year, 2020. Four sections. Not all of them are equal in time length, but four sections. And we are in section three. We have fulfilled section one, we have fulfilled section two, and we are in the process of fulfilling section three. And section four is the picking up of that mantle like that. This is like, like, a, like a mantle is, is an anointing, but remember the physical mantle was like a garment that Elijah wore. It's like a cloth. Now, we're not picking up a cloth. It's a spiritual thing. But that first section, that second section, that third section, and the fourth section, he said to me, it will be in December. And you will pick that up. Everything in all your years of service has led up to this one moment. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then I, I don't think about these things. It doesn't even cross my mind. I don't try to find numbers. He has to reveal them to me if I'm ever going to say something. And that's the best way to be or you'll get weird. But he said to me two weeks ago, he said, son, what's happening other than the 12th anniversary for your congregation on October the 6th, 7th? He said, what, 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 what is happening for you? I said, well, I guess I, I, I don't know. I had to look. I said, well, this is the start of my 30th year of ministry. And the Lord said to me, and did you notice when Jesus, what did he do at the start of his 30th year? He went into ministry and he showed me some parallels there. And he said, this is a very important season for you. This is a season because Jesus went into a wilderness without the anointing. And he came out of the wilderness with the anointing. But he was marked with the anointing before he went in because the dove came down at Jordan and God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What was God doing? He was saying, I've separated you. But then he goes into a wilderness for 40 days. And what happens in that wilderness? He deals with the devil. He deals with his flesh. And what happens? He picks up something. Because the Bible says he, he didn't go in with it. He was marked for it, but he didn't go in with it. He got it in the wilderness. And he came out, the Bible says, Luke 4, you can read it. He came out of that 40 days and he came out in the power of the Spirit. That means he picked up the anointing in that wilderness and his ministry launched. 
And the Lord said, this fall, it will be the exact same for you. You're going to pick something up this fall. He said, it's actually going to be in December, but you're going to pick something up this fall. Section one, section two, section three, and section four is picking it up. And he said, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Everything that has happened from 2010 to now has been, it was a separation, but now it's time to execute that call. Oh my God, Jenny. Amy Simple McPherson, I don't know if people believe this or not, but I believe it. Dad Hagen, I was listening to him and he was talking about it. In fact, he said, I've never heard anybody say this. He said that when Jesus went up to heaven and it says the cloud covered him and he, and he ascended, remember? He said, now I don't know, you can't really prove it, but you can't disprove it either. He said that cloud was the cloud of witnesses. Wow. All those people from, from paradise that Jesus had set free. That that cloud, they, all those people were gathered like a cloud and Jesus was in the middle of them as they went up to heaven. I don't know, you can't prove that or disprove that. The point is, is that the cloud of witnesses watches us. They watch us, Taylor. And don't you think things about the, their ministry that is now being fulfilled in, uh, through other people's lives that they're interested in? I'm telling you, I know it, I can't prove it to you, but I know it by the Spirit that people like Amy Simple McPherson are looking over the portal of heaven and they're looking into the earth and she's saying, I remember I sent my mantle to Toronto. What are they doing with it? What are they doing with my mantle in that city? What are they doing? God is endeavoring to do something in this city. That's what the prophet said. I believe she's looking over the portal of heaven and she's watching, what are we doing with that mantle? I believe doctors looking and saying, what are you doing with the legacy as my spiritual son? What are you doing with it? How are you treating my wife? How are you treating my ministry? Are you preaching the messages that I taught you to preach? Praise God. I believe that cloud is watching us to see if we're being faithful with the precious things entrusted to us. And I believe that we're not going to let them down. See, this is so much bigger than just coming to church. This is, this is so much bigger, Quinny, than coming to church. This is about an assignment from God Almighty that has been waiting a hundred years to come to fruition. It started under that man, Willard Pierce. It started the greatest revival Canadians have ever seen in the history of our nation came because of Amy Simple McPherson's anointing. And it's going to happen again. Oh, I said, Lord, how are you going to do it? You're endeavoring to do something. How are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm not on the television. I'm not a big name. I don't have a lot of money. All the churches are bigger than us. How are you going to do it? And I don't know. But all I keep hearing him say is the working of miracles, the working of miracles, the working of miracles, the working of miracles, the working of miracles. You don't need to worry about all that kind of stuff when people get raised from the dead. I'm telling you, they'll do the, your, your, own, your advertising for you. When arms grow out and eyes come into eye sockets, I'm telling you, it does the advertising for you. All I keep hearing him say is stop worrying about the church and how big it's getting or how small it's getting. Keep your eyes on me. Cast the care of it. Let your staff deal with the stress of it. You keep your eyes on me because I'm building this church. I'm building this church and hell itself can't stop you. I'm building it. You keep your eyes on me and you keep doing what I told you to do and you pick up that mantle and you watch what's going to happen. It'll do the advertising for you. It will do the advertising for you. But that's why we haven't seen, Kim, what we're going to see because I haven't picked it up yet. It's been a season of separation, but the day is coming where I'm going to step down. I'm going to pick up that mantle. I'm telling you something about it. And, and you don't be, well, why did God use you and not me? You better get those kind of thoughts out of your mind if you're thinking that way, because I didn't ask God to pick me. I wanted to be a game ranger dealing with warthogs in Africa. I didn't ask for this. He gave this to me. I didn't ask him for this mantle. He assigned it. I believe he assigned it because of our hearts. 
but he saw something in us and I don't even know what he saw, but he saw something because I don't feel that we're worthy, but I do know I'm not going to let him down. I'm not going to let him down. We're going to pick it up and we're going to work it. Oh, don't miss October 4th. I'm telling you, I don't care. Maybe you should sleep over. Maybe you should come on the 3rd and just sleep over. Maybe you should set up a tent and just make sure you're here. But don't miss October the 4th in the morning or the afternoon. And knowing me, I probably won't get it done in two services. Knowing me, that anointing of Copeland is on me. Uh, the long preaching anointing. So don't, 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 don't be surprised if maybe it goes over into Wednesday night. Thank you. Father, I bless this precious congregation. Lord, I tried to speak but the words wouldn't come out. I've learned enough of the things of the Spirit that when my tongue is tied like that, it means that you, because you didn't show it to me before, but you revealed it to me by tying my tongue. When I couldn't speak it, I knew that you were saying, do not discuss that subject tonight. I want it spoken by your office. I want it spoken into the realm of the Spirit about what is coming. So Father, I've endeavored to obey you. And we thank you for listening to the voice of Dr. Dufresne tonight and reminding us of that anointing and that assignment, that mental. Lord, I thank you for this people here. Lord, this is special. This is special tonight. What they've experienced tonight is not a normal church service. Lord, this is a special treat. It's a treat from the Holy Ghost because I had other things planned, but the Spirit of God wanted it said. So I thank you, Father, for their honor and their reverence for you and their drawing on the anointing. I could feel it for their respect and for their hunger and for their reverence for this subject. Lord, we talk about it because if you don't show honor for something by talking about it, you will never have it. So we thank you for it, Father. And Lord, I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to do exactly what you've told me to do between October and December. I know exactly what I must do in order to satisfy your requirements for that mantle. And I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to do it without issue and without argument. And Lord, I believe this congregation will stand behind me and will stand behind me in the natural and will stand behind me in the spiritual. And they will pull with me and we will do it together. For Lord, the anointing does not just come on me, although I am the head and I am the hand that reaches out to take it, but the anointing comes on the church. The anointing comes on this congregation. The anointing comes on every member in particular, from the smallest to the greatest, the anointing comes on this, this, this local congregation. The anointing is not limited to me. It is for this people. And through many hands, many voices, and many hearts, you will wrought a mighty work in Toronto. So Father, while I might be the leader and the head of it, Lord, you are not by any stretch limited to me. You are having this anointing come on this people. Let them recognize the value and the preciousness and the holiness of this moment in time. Let them recognize that for 30, 29 years I have been laboring and now finally something is starting to turn. Lord, for 10 years we've been separated. Lord, even before that, Lord, because of Dr. Dufresne when he called me out in Peru, for 16 years you started talking about it. For 10 years it's been major in a separation mode. But Lord, now is the time to pick it up and begin to walk in it and begin to execute it in the earth. This is a sacred and precious and holy time. Let the congregation recognize it. I know they don't all understand everything because they're all at different levels of spirituality, but let them at least recognize that even if they don't understand it all, God is doing something in our midst and they need to keep their hearts pure and they need to stay faithful and spend more time praying in the spirit, praying out the plan and the mystery in tongues because that will help father the plan to go forward in the earth. I bless them and I thank you for them and those watching, I bless them and I thank you for them. For I know that they are with me in this fight and in this call. And we will win and overcome. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.